theme of this was being jewels out of God's jewelry box that God can use. And we've centered it around the different kinds of jewels. We tried to, uh, like the wedding band, the, the strand of pearls, the, you know, the charm bracelet, the different things. And I got to thinking about jewels, and I love jewels, don't you? I love, I particularly love the colorful ones. Now, I love diamonds. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. And I love diamonds, and I actually have two. I have the one that my husband gave me when he asked me to marry him. And that was a funny little story. Um, we, uh, my mom and dad were very strict, but this was on Christmas Eve, and they had said that Alan could come up to the house and spend the night that night because he was going to give me my Christmas present on that Christmas morning. And uh, so we got to stay up a little later in the den and stuff, and it was Christmas Eve, and Alan had, because Mama knew, Mom and Daddy knew what Alan was going to do, that he was going to give me my diamond. And uh, so we were in the den, and uh, we got to stay up a little later, you know, and of course he would have, he had to, I think he got to I don't know. They may have said after you give that you got to go. But anyhow, Alan said, you can't have your present till Christmas morning. So he laid down, and he worked at Chatham's Inn, and, and he had worked midnight shift. So when he sat down, he went to sleep. And when he went to sleep, I ran through the house and turned all the clocks up to past midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he said. I can't hear. <laughs> but I said, uh, I woke him up. I said, get up, get up. It's Christmas morning. We can open our Christmas presents. And so he's about, okay, okay. So he got up and gave me that diamond. Oh, we have such precious memories, don't we? But... Um, then uh, I have the diamond that my mama had. Um, I was the oldest daughter, and when she passed away, then that came down to me, and I treasure those diamonds. But my favorite ones are the uh, sapphires and the emeralds and the rubies. I love the colors. I love these colored windows, don't you? These stained glass windows. I love colored glass I love colors, and you know what? I believe that God loves jewels, and he loves colors, beautiful colors of jewels as well. In the Bible, in Exodus 28, when God was telling uh, Moses all the things that the, the um, tabernacle and the high priest and all was supposed to do, he said in Exodus 28 that they were to make a breastplate for the high priest and on that breastplate, or that ephod we call it, it was to have 12 different stones on it. Can you imagine how pretty that would have been, how beautiful the high priestess outside garment was? It had 12 stones, precious jewels, four rolls with, with three stones in each roll. And, of course, they represented the 12 tribes of Israel. But, you know, God could have said, well, let's just put this old piece of gravel over here or no God said no I want you to put 
a sardius stone and a topaz stone and a sapphire stone, an emerald, a diamond, and an amethyst. Of course, amethyst is my all-time favorite because I love the color purple. And so I, I get a feeling God loves beautiful colors and beautiful stones and jewels. In Proverbs 31, when he describes the price of a virtuous woman, he says it's far above the price of rubies, the beautiful red stone that they tell me a ruby is more valuable, that a true ruby is more valuable than a diamond. He describes the church in Matthew 13, uh, 45 through 46, as a pearl of great price. So I, I get the feeling God likes likes jewels, and he likes pearls too. And then when you go over to Revelation chapter 1, 21, he goes in great detail to tell us what our new home is going to look like. He said, we're going to have walls of jasper. Can you imagine? This is our new home, walls of jasper, 12 foundations. And I've wondered, how are we going to be able to see all 12 foundations at one time but we will god it'll all be all right i promise but we'll have 12 foundations now they're not just cement and then rebarb and all this stuff our 12 foundations in our new home will be all 12 precious stones some of them are sapphire emerald amethyst and a bunch more you can read about them in revelation 21 what the 12 foundations will be he tells us that in our new home the gates will be pearl made of pearl and rebecca was talking about the pearl and how and i love pearls as well he tells us that the street will be gold at not streets there's just one and the street will be gold can you imagine so I think God has likes pearl, uh, likes jewels and things like that. But I read about precious stones, jewels in another book in our Bible. And if you have your Bibles, most of you do, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3. And we're going to start in verse 12 and we're going to read about another place that stones and jewels are mentioned. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12, Now if any man built upon this foundation, and of course in verse 11 it says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now this is a foundation we are to build on, Christ Jesus. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, there's your jewels, Precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work what sort it is. If any man's work abide which hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So when we read these verses, 
we're taught, they, we have been talked about another set of precious stones. These pictures are a picture of the Bema seat of Christ or the judgment seat of Christ. If you are in this auditorium today and you know Christ is your Savior, you have an appointment. I have an appointment for the Bema seat of Christ, for the uh, judgment seat of Christ. If the rapture were to take place today, and it would be all right with me if it did. Uh, last night, Miss Darlene Robbins texted me, and she was talking to me a little bit, and she said, if the Lord don't come, I'll see you in the morning. And I said, well, if he does, it'll be all right, and it will. It'll be all right with me. But if the rapture of the church were, and I am no Bible scholar, but I do know a little bit about my Bible, and I have a husband that knows a whole lot about it. So before I ever brought this lesson to you, I gave him my outline and asked him to make sure I have all this right. But we as independent Bible-believing Baptists, we believe the premillennial view of the Bible and that means that the church will be raptured out, and I know the word rapture is not in the Bible, but the word snatching away is, the principle is there, that the Lord will rapture the church out before the tribulation. So if today, if today, while we're here, we hear the trumpet sound, and we are raptured out, Take place today. The first place after the rapture, the first place we're going to go to is the Bema Seat of Christ. Now, I know that sometimes we, um, we like to sing about, oh, it's going to be wonderful there, and it is. But our first stop will be at the Bema Seat of Christ. This... Judgment is for the believers. Sin is not accounted for at this judgment. Service is counted for at this at this um, this judgment. Sin was accounted for at Calvary. And when you accepted Christ as your Savior, your sin debt was paid. The past, present, and the future. Now you'll say, Miss Jan, I know people that say they are saved and they still do wicked things. Well, one thing, let me, let me insert this right quick. And I'll say more about it as well. But one thing, just because somebody says they're saved doesn't mean they really know Christ as their Savior. And if you can sin, and you can live in sin, and continue in sin, and it doesn't bother you, and you don't know the chastening hand of God, then I would check up on my salvation. Because the Bible is very clear, and I'm not here to make anybody doubt your salvation. I would never. You can't make me doubt my salvation. God's too real not to be real to me. 
And one of the reasons that I know that I'm his is because he chastens me now when I do wrong. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, if you've got your Bible there, it won't hurt you to turn and look at these scriptures. In Hebrews chapter 12, let me see where my... Um, Starting with verse 5. Now this is what happens to believers. If you sin and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you will answer for that sin on this side of eternity. Verse 5 said, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. We're God's children when we get saved. My son... Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And if ye endure chastising, God dealeth with you as what? Sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not but if ye be without chastisement now I want you to look at your Bible because I'm not cussing I'm reading what the word says but if ye be without chastisement whereof all are partakers then are ye bastards and not sons so you've sinned if you sin and you do wrong you bring shame on the Lord and you're his child, he will chastise you for that. You will face that right now before you die. You will chast. And then if you don't take heed to his chastening, I believe with all my heart he'll take you out of this world because he will not allow you to bring shame upon his name. If you go to Rhonda, the great city of Rhonda, which is not far from here, and you go to the Rhonda Cemetery, the town cemetery, out on the end of that cemetery, you're going to find a little grave there. And it has on it Barker twins. And that was the chastening hand of God on mine and Ellen's life after we got married and we tried to do live our own way and do our own thing and God kept telling us no you got to do right and um, my husband said he worked midnight shift at Chatham's Inn and he said that he would go up on the top of the roof of Chatham's and um, he would he said he knew God was dealing with him we were both saved but he said he knew God was dealing with him and he said he tried to bargain with God and he said, he told God, said, if you'll let my babies be all right. I, back then, you didn't know if you was going to have twins till you had them, but we knew we, I was expecting. If you'll let my baby be all right, I'll serve you then, Lord. But God said, no, I don't bargain with you. And God doesn't bargain, ladies. He doesn't bargain. And so when those babies were born, my little, it was a little boy and a little girl. My little baby girl, Leanne, was born dead, and Jamie only lived a few hours, twice in one day, twice in one day. I had a doctor come to me and say, I'm sorry.
your baby is dead. And they were born uh, seven months. They, they were premature, but they were mature enough that we had to have a funeral for them. We had a great, I didn't get to go back then. They didn't let you do things like that. I didn't get to go. But I've heard Alan say, and I've heard him preach, and if you ever heard him preach much, you've heard him say, too, as he walked across that graveside that day with um, his part of his family was there. Like I said, they didn't let me go. But he said, he said God told him as he walked across that graveyard, if you don't get right with me, your grave will be the next one we put out here. So you don't fool with God. God doesn't play games. And so this, my, I want you to see that when you get to the Bema seat of Christ, sin will not be dealt with there. Sin is dealt with now in your life if you're a child of God. Uh, service, service is accounted for at this Bema seat of Christ. In these verses, it says that... Um, it will declare the day because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. The word sort indicates quality and not quantity. Only fire can separate the real from the fake. So let me tell you what's going to happen at the Bema Seat of Christ. It's an appointment we all have. How many of you have heard preachers say they fear the shelf, they fear the seat, they fear God putting them on the shelf and not using them, and they fear the seat? This is a Bema seat of Christ. When we get to the Bema seat of Christ, the things that we have done for the Lord or in the name of the Lord is going to be tried by fire to see if our motives were right, to see if we receive any rewards for the Lord. I've done a lot, a lot since I've been a pastor's wife and a missionary's wife and now an evangelist's wife. I've done a lot, I've done a lot of things, a lot of work for the church. I've done a lot of work for my husband. But I won't receive rewards for all of that because sometimes I did it begrudgingly. I did it out of duty and not out of love for my Lord. So when we get to the judgment seat, that's going to be tried. Our works will be tried to see what sort they are, what quality they are. Not how many, it's not how much you've done, but the quality of it. Did you do it with a willing heart? Did you do it because you thought you had to? Did you do it to, to make a show for yourself? Did you do it because you love the Lord? If our works survive the fire, we shall receive a reward. Verse 14 said, If any man's works abide which he hath built upon, he shall receive a reward. Many, most Bible scholars and commentators believe that there will be five crowns given at the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat of Christ, five crowns that you could win. One is a crown of self-control. 
in First in Corinthians nine twenty five, it says, "And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. There will be a crown of soul winning." First Thessalonians two nineteen and twenty says, "For what is our hope? Our crown." Our joy, our crown of rejoicing, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming, for ye are our glory and our hope. We need to be soul winners, and there will be a crown given that day for soul winning. Now, I am not, you know, I am not an aggressive soul winner. Some of you can just go up to anybody and say, uh, if you were to die right now, do you know you'd go to heaven? And I'm just not made that way. But you know what? I can take every opportunity that I can. I tell you a little funny story. My husband, my husband's that way. I mean, he can witness to a light pole. He don't care. And we were coming out of Forsyth Hospital one day, and there's this man run up to him, and it, he had a T-shirt on that said, Trust No Man. And he ran right up in my husband's face. He said, can I ask you a question? And, uh, you know, this day and time, you don't know. And down there in Winston, you don't know what's going to happen. And he, um, uh, my husband said, yeah, you can ask me a question, but let me ask you one first. And that man looked at me. He said, if you were to die right now, do you know you'd go to heaven now? Like, that scared that man to death. I think he thought Alan had a gun, was going to shoot him, and he run. <laughs> He ran from, he said, what did you ask me that for? And he ran, and he was looking back at Alan. And so I'm not that aggressive, but we need to take every opportunity we can to win souls. I can put tracks. I can hand tracks out at the grocery store. I can put tracks when I return my bills, my payments for my bills. I can... Um, we can take opportunity, and when the opportunity opens, then God will give you courage. But there's a crown that's going to be given at the judgment seat of Christ for people that are soul winners. There will be a crown for those that love, that are longing, and love the second coming. Second Timothy 4.8 says, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. There will be a crown for serving the Lord full time as a shepherd or a pastor. First uh, Peter 5, 2 through 4 says, To feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by restraint, constraint but willingly not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind neither is being lords over God's heritage but being examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd shall appear ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away so there will be a crown for those uh, men that are in full-time service as shepherds or pastors and then there will be a crown that will be given for those that have been martyred that gave their lives for the Lord so what are some things? You say, okay, now we, we're going to receive these rewards. What are we going to do with them? All right, well, let's look in um, Revelation 4. You got your Bible. Let's look in Revelation 4 and verse 10. It's going to tell us what we're going to do with those crowns and those rewards that we win I'm turning to, so I want you to see these scriptures that 
Revelation 4. Verse 10, and it says, The four and twenty elders, and if you know anything about your Bible and about um, this, the four and twenty elders are the church. It represents the church. So that's us. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns at his feet. And cast his, cast his crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. What we receive at the judgment seat of Christ, we'll have to lay down at his feet and to give back at him. Now, at this judgment seat of Christ... There will be weeping, and there will be rejoicing. You see, Jan, I thought when we left this world and all our weeping was behind us, and we would be, there would be no, no tears in heaven, well, we're not at heaven yet. When you stand at this judgment seat before the Lord, you're not at heaven yet. Uh, the church is raptured out in Revelation 4, the first few verses, is the the um, rapture of the church. I heard a trumpet as it come up hither. That's us. But the, God does not wipe away all the tears until Revelation 21.4. And it's in Revelation 21.4 that he says he will wipe away all the tears. So there will be, I'm sure... There will I will be crying because God I will see that some of the things that I that I did didn't stand the fire. So what what are some things that's going to be brought up at the judgment seat of Christ? What are we, what are some things that we're going to give an account for? Number one, bearing the insults of the world. For the sake of Christ, will be mentioned, examined at the judgment seat of Christ. Matthew five eleven says, "Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. Our financial generosity will be examined." At the judgment seat of Christ. Matthew 6, 3. But when thou dost alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. For thine alms may, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Our hospitality to others will be examined. How important it is. How hospi- I think hospitality is a forgotten art among people. You should open your arms and, and be blessing to other people. Uh, Matthew ten forty said, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. That's the Father. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Our secret prayer will be dealt with at the bema seat of Christ. Matthew 6, 6. But 
But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Faithfulness in the vocation that you have. Now you think that you're just on that job for no reason just to earn money. You know God's watching you on that job too. And our faithfulness to the vocation where we're at will be brought up and examined at the Bema Seat. Colossians 3, 22 through 24 says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus. Be careful. You shouldn't, you shouldn't uh, uh, mess around on your job and rob your employer of time. That's going to be brought up at the judgment seat of Christ. I told you, God don't play games. It'll be brought up. Then loving the unlovable will be brought up. Um, Luke 6, 27 through 28 say, But I say unto you which here love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. But, um, but love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Watching for Christ's return. How anxiously are we looking for him to return? Oh, my. I am. I am now. Second uh, Timothy 4, 7, and 8. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but also to them that which love is appearing. Obeying God's word will be examined. Obeying God's word, uh, Proverbs thirteen thirteen. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. Our words will be examined at the judgment seat of Christ. Matthew twelve thirty six. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. The more I read, the more it makes me quiver inside. This is the Bible. It's God's word. We need to be careful with the words. We'll give an account one day. Our motives will be examined at the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the cancels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. And these are just a few things. If you study your scriptures and you'll study out, you'll find out there's going to be several things that will be, will be examined and put through the fire. And if the, our works were not 
pure and holy before God, the fire will burn them up. They will be as wood, hay, and stubble. But if we've served the Lord with our whole heart, and I'm telling you, ladies, the older I get, I'm closer to heaven. I'm closer now, much closer than I've ever been. I only have a few years left. If I die at the same age that my mama died, I have less than 20 years left to live. And that's not nothing. That's nothing. I want to have some rewards to lay at Jesus' feet. My point in all of this, all that I've said to you, is simply to say that I fear that we've gotten so wrapped up in this world that we have forgotten about a world to come. We've forgotten about the appointment that we have at the Bema Seat of Christ. Many are looking for rewards in this life. And we enjoy that. We enjoy getting a pat on the back. We enjoy getting rewarded for a job well done. But our actions and thoughts should be focused on the things to come and what's waiting us. What kind of jewels will you have to lay at his feet when he comes? I love him. He is my everything. He has done so much for me. He saved me. He is good to me. Let me tell you. He's given me a good husband. He gave me wonderful parents. He's given me a son that preaches the gospel. He's given me a son-in-law that preaches the gospel. He's given me a daughter that loves the Lord. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. He's given me grandchildren that love the Lord and are serving him. He's given me great-grandchildren that are learning to love the Lord and to quote scriptures and to sing songs about an awesome God. He is good to me. But the greatest thing, the greatest thing God ever did for me was not that. The greatest thing he ever did for me was when he saved my soul. I thank him every day for his goodness and his mercy to me. But I tell him every day, I tell him, Lord, above everything else, I thank you for saving my soul. I tell him, Lord, I thank you that that Sunday morning, I was a little girl, 12 years old. I was brought up in church. I never knew nothing but church, never. But that Sunday morning, God had been dealing with my heart. And I thank him that that Sunday morning when I came down, when the preacher give, preacher Owenby was my pastor, and I came down to the front because God had already been dealing with my heart, and i never seen anybody get saved at home. I didn't know that. And I thought you had to be at church to be saved. And I came down to that altar and I remember it just the same as if it had happened yesterday. My mama had bought me a 
uh, a little pink gingham dress because I was 12. I wasn't too late, never been little. But she bought me a pink gingham dress. And I had that, I remember it. I had that dress on that day. And I remember coming down to the altar and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to pray. I'm so thankful God saw my heart. And it wasn't what I could say. And it wasn't what anybody could do for me. But God saw my heart. And he saved me that day. And if he hadn't saved me, I'd not be going to the to the beam of seat of Christ, I'd be going to the white throne judgment and be cast into hell. And I thank him for that. And I'm going to tell you why I serve him. I'm going to tell you why I go. I'm going to tell you why. And when we leave this meeting, I'll pack my bags this evening and go up in a little to a little church in Tennessee with my husband and he's going to preach and I'll probably sing and you know why I do that I do that because of that Sunday morning not because my husband's a preacher not because because of that Sunday morning that he saved me and how can I not give him my best I don't want to stand before him that day and not have anything to lay at his feet. And if I play around and if I play games with God, I'll stand there brokenhearted. It'll be bad enough the way it is. But I'll stand there with nothing, nothing to lay at his feet. The one who went to Calvary for me. The one who bore my sins so that I could be saved. And I'd have nothing to lay at his feet. We do what we do because to have something. I want to have something to lay at his feet. What kind of jewels will you have? We all have an appointment the Bema seat of Christ is just as real as heaven. The gates of pearl, the walls of jasper, the streets of gold. The Bema seat is just as real as that. And we have an appointment, each one of us there. I long, I long, I long to hear him say, Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. But he won't lie. Have I told you God does not play petty games? He will not lie that day when he says it. There's an old song that people used to sing. And it may even be in that most holy red my husband said the red church hymnal he said the red church back hymnal but it's the red church hymnal it may be in that I don't know but there's an old song people used to sing says he'll understand and say well done no no I'm here to tell you he will not understand and say well done when you've played around and you've only half-heartedly served the Lord one day one day that's all that's going to matter is what we've done for Christ. It's not going to be how many degrees we have. It's not going to be 
how many uh, cars you've got. It's not going to be how many rewards your child has won for being the best football player. But it'll be what we've done for Christ, and that's all that's going to last. Abiding, valuable, faithful service will be rewarded. Second John verse 8 says, Look to yourselves that you lose not those things which you have wrought, but that you receive a full reward. In Malachi, and we've all quoted this verse, it's been part of the verse that's been our theme for this, making up your jewels in, in Malachi 3, and, and you know that this is the closing of the Old Testament and when the writer laid down his pen after writing Malachi, there was silence for 400 years before God spoke again. But in Malachi chapter 3, verse 16 says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. Aren't you glad he does? And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and thought about his name. Verse 17, it says, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. There's a day that God's going to make up his jewels. Will you be one of those? If you're here today and you're not saved, you don't really know the Lord is your Savior, then I'd sure make that right before I left these church premises. It's real. It's too real not to be real. But then there's going to be a day that he's going to make up his jewels. I want to be his jewel. I feel like I am his jewel, not because of anything I've done, but because of the blood that was applied to my heart. But I want to have something to lay at his feet. Um, will you bring me my phone, Lydia? I, I'm so scatterbrained. There's another song that... Now, I'm not real good at technology. It did. It came up. There's another song that I used to hear sung a lot. I don't hear many people sing it anymore, but it says, <clears throat> Must I go and empty-handed Thus, my dear Redeemer, meet not one day of service give him, lay no trophies at his feet. Must I go? And empty-handed must I meet my Savior's soul. Not one soul with which to greet him must I end. 
go. I want something to lay at his feet. I want jewels. I want a crown to lay at his feet. How sad it would be. Can you imagine going home at Christmas and everybody else in your family has a gift to give to your daddy and you don't have nothing? I want, there will be tears. I want to have something to lay at his feet. And then I want to encourage you. Don't be weary in well-doing. We get tired, don't we? We get tired along the way. And uh, we wonder if it's any good. Are we doing any good? But don't be weary in well-doing. Be faithful, child of God. Be faithful. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it all when we stand before him and we can lay our crowns at his feet.